With every ounce of our being, we attempt to be as optimistic as humanly possible. It's, it's, it's simply because we refuse to accentuate the negative. We, we, we want to dwell on the positive. And there were some creative new things that arose out of the challenges of 2020. And with all the efforts that the enemy put forth, he still couldn't stop the church. And I thank God today for that. Many people may look around and say, yeah, but we've, we've, we've lost um, scores of our folks who are not present with us. And Listen, we made it very clear to individuals that we didn't want them to put themselves in harm's way if they felt it safer for them not to be in church, uh, that they would um, exercise their right to do that. But Pastor Terry's always been one of those kinds of people that in my whole heart I believe that God sends who he knows needs a blessing. And we don't get caught watching score, do we, Mike? We don't look at scoreboards. We don't sit around cups of coffee on Monday morning and say, I had 250 in church yesterday. I had uh, 500. We, we, we don't get caught up into that because it's not about that. It's about the kingdom. It's about advancing the kingdom. So, I want to tell you today that what the devil tried to do, he was defeated. I, I need to say that again because that didn't sink in to somebody. I, you, you, were, you were looking at the title of the message today. Back up one slide, honey. Back up one slide, amen. You were looking at the title of the message today, 2021 Loading. Where, where, where are you going, Pastor? Well, I want, to, I want to propel us into the future. I want to launch us out into the place that I know that God has planned for us. Paul said... To the church at Rome. If God be for you. Who can be against you? Did you get that? I said if God is for you. Who can be against you? Numerous times the scriptures tell us to stand still. Because the battle doesn't belong to us. The battle belongs to the Lord. And, and, and a matter of fact. I want to shout this this morning. What the devil tried. He was unsuccessful. Amen. In his efforts. To destroy God resurrected. Hello, saints of God. Uh, what the enemy attempted to do, some of you say, Pastor, we just celebrated the greatest day in human history, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of you know the devil tried to stop that? He tried to stop the fact that Jesus was being born and that Jesus would rise from the grave. But the, la the last time I checked the book, He's not in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day morning, he arose just like he said. And he's now interceding for you and I. You see, it was out of practical theology that uh, our writer submitted to us the text for today. And it's found in 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And the word of the Lord states as you are standing in his presence standing in the presence of God to honor his word 
the word of the Lord says, be sober. That means don't get intoxicated. Don't get tipsy. You don't have time to be entangled with the affairs of the world. Then Brother Timmy, he tells us to be vigilant. That word means to be watchful. Brother Mike, it means to be on your guard. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I know that we've all watched documentaries of animals in the wild, and we've watched those animals and we know many known predators. Well, let me say to us today, Satan is a formidable foe. He's the enemy of our souls. But he was defeated on the cross. Hallelujah. I said he was defeated on the cross. Somebody says, but, but, but Pastor Satan still has power. But I need you to know that it's a limited power. His chain is only so long. Amen. Because God is the sovereign ruler of our universe. And I want to I, I wanna add to that 2021 loading. I want to alert you today to what the devil wants. What the devil wants. That word devour means to utterly gulp down, to completely destroy. So that there is not one fiber of our existence left. But we need to be confident today. The Lord is on our side. You might be seated in his presence. I say again it was through practical theology that Peter submitted this text. Because based on the anguish that others inflicted upon Jesus... Peter knew the suffering of his own denials of Jesus Christ as both his Savior and his friend. You, you ask the question, why didn't Satan prevent Jesus' birth? Because Christ was born to fulfill prophecy. And Christ was born for a purpose. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3 and 8 that he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Do you know that after Jesus' birth, the wise men came to seek him when Herod, who was king of Judea at that time, Herod said, hey, this guy promotes a threat to my throne. And there's no way that this Christ child can live. He cannot survive. If that happens, I could be stripped of my authority and stripped of my power. So he commissions the wise men that whenever they find this place where the Christ child is born, that they bring back his location. He wants to pay respects. We all know that that was a scheme. We all know that Herod became an unwitting tool in the hands of the devil. See, at the very thought of losing his throne to another king, he ordered the deaths of infants who were born in Bethlehem. 
And it was all throughout Jesus' life that Satan did everything he could to stop Jesus from the purpose for which he was born. But we need to be alerted to this reality. Nothing worked. All of Satan's plans were thwarted when Jesus rose on the third day morning. And today, friend of mine, we ought to thank God for his son, Jesus Christ, and the hope that we have of life everlasting. For if any part of God's plan would have been omitted or left out or, or, or devi- he would have deviated from the plan of God, we would not enjoy salvation. We would not enjoy the right to eternal life today. So Satan was defeated and is still being defeated even till today. Amen? Still being defeated. They had a television show many years ago when I was a young guy. It was called Laugh-In. They had a character on there, uh, Flip Wilson. He dressed up as Geraldine, and he talked like a lady, and he wore a purse on his arm, and his favorite moniker was, The Devil Made Me Do It. Well, I'll report to you today, the devil can't make you do anything that you are not willing to submit to his whims and participate in. The Bible tells us that in the book of James. Am I right, saints of God? The Bible talks about that in depthly. So we need to know today that the Bible tells us in Paul's letter to the Corinthians that there's a way of escape that God has made for us out of every temptation so that we would not be overthrown in it. So let's face this reality. Satan is not going to stop being Satan. He's practiced the art for a long, long time. And he's still deceiving many even until this day. And I thought about this in-depthly. I thought about this Um, over the last several weeks very deeply in thought. And Satan, Satan, the Bible tells us in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the threefold mission of the enemy is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Why is Satan so bent on that mission? Because, Sister Leanne, he realizes that if he causes us to lose out eternally with God, there is no more hope for salvation. Contrary to what others have said to you, there's no hope beyond the grave. When you die, that's it. There is no calling out to God from the grave. If we don't make arrangements to spend eternity with God forever in this life, when we die, there is no in-between. And more than anything, I've determined that Satan not only wants to see, Satan doesn't want to just simply destroy you, he wants you to do the dirty work. Hello, somebody. Satan wants to sever the family. He wants to divide the family because he realizes the structure of the family is created by God. He realizes, Brother Mike, that the sacred institution of holy matrimony or marriage, amen, is defined by God in his word. He set the parameters, not the enemy. So in the world in which we live today, where everyone wants you to adopt this mentality that it's okay and that God understands, it's all because they are following one of Satan's divisive schemes. The Bible said in the beginning he made male and female. The Bible never promoted the idea of same-sex marriage. The Bible never, ever hinted at that being something that God was well-pleased with. 
But it's something our society wants to embrace. It's something the enemy is pushing and pushing and pushing. And we see more and more faith-based organizations and or churches, if you will, who will embrace that now and say that, amen, God is love and it's okay. It's not okay, friend. Satan doesn't just want to destroy you. He wants to see you destroy yourself. My God, somebody. Satan wants to divide the home. He wants to sever the ties that unite family. Satan doesn't just want to attack your marriage. He wants to see you destroy your marriage. He wants to see you doubt God. He wants to promote everything in the book against God. Because that's the nature of Satan. Am I right? That's the nature of the enemy. Thank God for the hope we have today in the resurrected Son of God. Hallelujah. John chapter 20 and verse 27. Thomas doubted that Jesus was who he said he was. Even after he had arisen from the grave. And Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Look and then reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving but believing. Satan wants you to doubt God. Satan wants you to embrace the mindset that I, I, I know that God did it for other people, but my case is unique and no one's is like my. Listen, we won't be the first and if the world stands, we won't be the last. But let me assure us of one thing. If God has done it before, God is sovereign and God can do it again. If he healed in the days of old, God can do it again. Some folks said that those types of things went out with the disciples, but you are not going to make me doubt what I have witnessed with my own eyes. I know that God is a healer. I know that God is a restorer. I know that God is a rebuilder because I've seen it happen too many times. Are you with me, saints of God? Amen. In essence, what Jesus was saying to Thomas, stop doubting, just believe. Stop doubting. Just believe. Hallelujah. Satan's attacks Come in various forms. Various forms. He uses the ungodliness of our world. He uses worldly wisdom. Satan employs false teachers and leaders. And he is the master of deception. But you know where our vulnerability began? Our vulnerability began with Adam, God's first creation. Can I say amen, somebody? Amen. Adam's choice to follow the devil's lying suggestions in the Garden of Eden. It separated us from God. Many people say, well, if God knew that that was going to happen, why did he put Put Adam in the garden. Listen, James tells us, let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted of God. For God tempts no man. But a man is tempted when he is enticed of his own lust. Amen to God. And the Bible says then, it goes on to tell us that after we've been enticed of our own lust and we act upon it, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. Don't blame God. Blame the enemy. Don't blame God. Blame the enemy. That's what the devil wants for us to blame God. 
Somebody asked me on an occasion when a young person had been tragically killed in an automobile accident. They said, where was God when that took place? I said, he was still, amen, attending to the affairs of humankind. He was still being God. But this was not God's plan. It was not a part of what God had reserved for humanity. All this came about as a result of sin and the fall that separated man from God. I want to blame somebody. Blame the enemy. Stop blaming God. Preacher, who is Satan? Who is Satan? He's the great deceiver. But oh, he has a lot of names. Stick with me. I'm going to go through this. My research produced this, that he's the chief evil spirit. Satan himself is the personification of evil. If evil could embody a person, that would be Satan. He's the chief evil spirit. Am I right? But listen how crazy we get in the world. How crazy we get in the world is that we have this range of beliefs. And those range of beliefs go from silly to abstract. When I was little, my mom would say, the booger man's going to get you. You understand? But a lot of people will poke fun at the fact that Satan is a, a little guy in a red suit with a pitchfork and horns. But how many of us know that that's the farthest thing from the truth? Because everything that Satan presents to us is beautiful. It doesn't look threatening. It looks promising. Am I right? Because he's the master deceiver. Preach, pastor. Hallelujah. The truth is the Bible presents Satan as an angelic being who fell and is now completely opposed to God, exhausting every energy and effort to combat the purposes of God. He is the ultimate source behind every false religion and cult that exists in the world. John 12 and 31 said he's the ruler of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 said he is the God of this age. Ephesians 2 and 2 said... That he is the prince of the power of the air. Revelation 12.10 said he's the accuser of the brethren. Who is Satan? His name indicates his nature. He is the known enemy of God. First Thessalonians 3 and 5 calls him the tempter. Matthew 13, 19 and 38. He is called the wicked one. And the highlight of his capacity, amen, an inclination to deceive the world is recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse 14. And here's what it said. And no wonder for Satan himself transform himself into an angel of light he's the master deceiver are you with me he's the master deceiver but he finally meets his doom in John the revelator's offering in Revelation 20 and 10 the Bible states this the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever. And for if you're looking for a place to shout, you ought to glorify the Lord. Hallelujah. 
The Bible said there is coming a time, there is coming a day in the not so distant future when Satan will meet his final destiny, amen. And he himself, the beast and the false prophet are going to be cast in an eternal lake of fire and brimstone which burns forever and ever, day and night. His deeds are going to catch up to him. Preach on, preacher. Hallelujah. Isn't that something? Isn't that a blessing to know that the chief evil spirit, the personification of evil, the one who wanted to destroy the work of Jesus Christ before the cross and offer salvation, amen, unto humanity. Isn't it going to be wonderful to know that in the due process of time, Sister Desiree, he's going to be put down, amen, him and all his entourage. Oh, bless the Lamb of God. That's it. It's going to be over then. But until now, too many of us are caught listening to his lies. Too many of us are drawn into his web of wickedness. Am I preaching to you this morning? Anybody tracking with me? You say, preacher, what is listening to lies? It means giving attention to the untruths that Satan projects, the, the untruths that Satan tells us. Y'all going to get a big kick out of this. In almost all biblical accounts and efforts to separate the body of believers from God, Satan uses lies. He's a liar. He doesn't know the truth. There's, an old, there's, there's, a, there's a slang term, John, called the OG. They say he's the original OG. You know the devil's the original OG. In slang settings, that means the original gangster. But Satan is the original liar. Hallelujah, somebody. He's old school. He planted the very first lie that was ever recorded in the scriptures. Did he not? How far did we get in the book before he lied? Genesis chapter 3. We didn't get far. And Satan started promoting lies. Today, Satan is a liar. He promises happiness only to deliver shame. He promises freedom only to enslave us. He promises peace only to destroy us. That sound like the Satan you know? That's exactly who Satan is. And still, we get caught in his web of lies. Preacher, how did he plant the first lie? In Genesis 3 and 1, God indeed said, You shall not eat of every good tree of the garden. Who was God talking to? The prize of creation. Satan got Eve alone. How many of you know the devil wants to isolate you? Come on, that's not a trick question. How many of you know Satan wants to isolate you because he understands that there's strength in numbers? No wonder he wants to divide families. No wonder he wants to sever the ties that bind us in relationships. Brother Steve, no wonder he wants to watch us destroy our marriages. No wonder he wants to see us put doubt in God. No wonder he realizes, Brother Joey, if he can isolate us, if he can keep people from coming to the house of God, he's got them isolated and he can feed them lie after lie after lie. No wonder. But God was talking to the prize of creation. Don't know where Adam was, but he wasn't with Eve. Not at that moment. And the Bible said, Satan said to Eve, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? But look at verse 3. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat it, 
nor shall you touch it, lest you die. That's what God said, Brother Greg. But Satan said to Eve, now that's really not what God said, is it? He planted the first lie. He presented a direct contradiction to what God had already said. Preach, Pastor. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something about lies. Lies perpetuate themselves. Hello? If you tell one, you got to tell another one to cover that one up. Then if you cover that one, you got to tell another one to cover that one. Are you getting what? Lies are better. They're worse than the Energizer Bunny. They just keep going and going and going. But Satan, he's the OG. He's the old school originator of lies. He don't know the truth, don't know how to tell it. Wow. They perpetuate themselves. Anybody remember this prominent figure in world history? Adolf Hitler. Anybody remember Adolf Hitler? He was a German politician, leader of the Nazi party, who rose to the position of chancellor and Fuhrer in the country of Germany. His dictatorship lasted from 1933 to 1945. Anybody remember that as World War II? He's responsible for the Holocaust and genocide, the intentional action to destroy a people defined as an ethnic, national, racial, or religious group. This guy murdered six million Jews. Six million Jews. All because he wanted to prove that Germans were a superior race. He had followers. You understand where I'm going? He was a master deceiver. Listen to what Adolf Hitler said about lies. He said, if you tell a lie big enough and you tell it often enough, people will believe it. Wow. Isn't that amazing? If you tell a lie big enough, and you tell it frequently enough, it will be believed. That is simply amazing. I want to alert us to the fact today that sin and deception are closely related. But deception is deeper than being tricked or lied to. For the key to understanding spiritual deception is that we choose what we want to believe. You understand? We choose what we want to believe rather than what we should believe. This is sad because oftentimes we choose what we want to believe in the face of a body of evidence. Mark 9, 34, that man came to Jesus. His son was sick and Jesus said, do you believe? He said, yeah, I believe, but Lord help my unbelief. Isn't that what he said? The sad piece is that we often choose to believe what we want to in the face of a body of evidence. Now that's what's sad. Oh my. Eve was lied to. The serpent was cunning. The fruit was attractive. And so on and so on. But Eve sinned because she chose to. Stick with me. 
Eve sinned because she chose to disobey God while neglecting the consequences. Can I tell you today that consequences accompany sin? And it doesn't mean if we give our life to Jesus that those go away. It doesn't mean that they won't have to be dealt with. That's not the truth. This is the lie that Satan wants you to believe. Satan wants you to believe that, oh, it doesn't matter how deep in sin you are. You can just come to Jesus, your sins confessing, and all that is wiped away. Friend of mine, that is the farthest thing from the truth. There are actions to every, there are consequences, excuse me, to every action in life. And we are going to be held accountable. Sadly enough, this type of sin is still happening in our world today. Even so-called secret sin. Is this okay? Now believe you me, I wrestled with this long and hard before uh, God spoke to my heart over and over and over again about preaching this message. I wrestled with it there oftentimes, glory to God, that we have to bring messages of correction and messages that discipline us that we don't want to present to the body of believers. But we need to understand that we're going to be held accountable for our every action in the very presence of a holy and righteous God. Holy and righteous Secret sin, something that's kept unseen, something that's kept unknown. What is sin? The Bible tells us it underscores the fact that sin is all unrighteousness. Anybody ever heard of this guy? Anybody ever heard of Lewis Sperry Schaefer? Anybody ever heard of him? He was the founder and first president of the Dallas Theological Seminary. And here's what he said. He said, it may be a secret sin on earth, but it is an open scandal. what he said what is he hinting at that the eyes of the Lord are to and fro and they know everything one of the attributes of God is that he is all knowing omniscient he is omnipresent meaning everywhere at the same time and he is all powerful The story of David and Bathsheba almost immediately come to mind. I'm trying to close. They almost immediately come to mind because there are many lessons learned from this story. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, the scriptures make it crystal clear. They make it crystal clear. In your leisure, I would encourage you to read the story of David. It's one of the most recognizable and known in the entirety of the scriptures. But God uses the writer in the Old Testament book of Numbers around the close of the 23rd verse in the 32nd chapter. Be sure, this is Moses. Moses talking to the nation of Israel. He said, be sure your sin will find you out. Is that the Bible? You know what what God also tells us in the book of Numbers? God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. He said, be sure, Brother Ernie, your sins are going to find you out. Oh, my. Luke tells us in Luke 8, 17, For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. This is the Word of God. It's the Word of God, saints. And I say to us today, under my voice, 
that we still serve a merciful, compassionate, loving, and forgiving God. Amen. We still serve the God of the ages. Amen. Hallelujah. We still serve a God who offers forgiveness. He will forgive anyone who confesses and repents of their sins. I memorized this verse by heart. 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know the only kind of sin God can't deal with? Unconfessed sin. But any other type of sin, hallelujah, that we willfully participate in, if we will confess and repent, God is willing and available and is ready to assist us. Praise the Lord, you don't have to die and lose out with God eternally because you have sinned. Let me tell you something about sin's consequences. Praise the Lord. Sin's consequences, the results, the effects of sin's actions. Let me tell you something about those. Uh, they remain with us. And just because we accept Christ, it doesn't erase the effects of sin. Am I right? This comes fresh to my memory just hours ago. I was talking about the great man of God, Paul. How that he wreaked havoc on the church. How he persecuted Christians. and How he drug men and women from their homes and had them committed to prison. But he had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, did he not? He had an encounter. That was a sudden, unexpected appointment with the Master. And when he did, his life was immediately changed. But do you think that God just brushed all that other stuff that Paul participated in under the rug? Do you think that God just said, well, you've done some bad stuff, but I'm going to wipe your slate clean, Derek, and I'm going to give you a new beginning. No, the Bible said that God told the apostle, he said, I need you to go into the city to a street called Straight. There's a man waiting for you there. He's going to pray that the scales would fall from your eyes. But then he's going to reveal to you how great things you must suffer for my name's sake. The Bible tells us that Paul was often in peril. What does that mean? He was in trouble. He was often in difficult situations. The Bible tells us he was beaten with rods. Three times, the Bible tells us he was shipwrecked. The Bible tells us that he was even stoned and left for dead. So the consequences of sin remained. And they followed him during his life. But Robbie, Nero was the emperor of Rome who was known for his guillotine or chopping block at the time of Paul. Do you mean that this man who did all these great things for God, are you telling me that he ultimately died? I'm going to die. You're going to die. If we're not here when the rapture takes place, all of us are going to die. But he was beheaded for the cause of Christ. 
And he said to young Timothy, The time of my departure is at hand. I believe when they asked Paul, Do you have any last words? Paul said, I fought a good fight. Paul said, I finished my course. Paul would have looked him in the eye and said, I kept the faith. But I know there's a crown of life laid up for me. And thank the living God, it's not just laid up for me, but it's laid up for all of you who love him and who long for his appearing. That's right. That's exactly right. I want to tell you that God has a plan today that serves His sovereign purpose. Even though the effects of sin cannot be erased and they will follow us through life. I need you to know the plan of God. It rises above. Hallelujah to God. Any effect that sin has ever left on your life. And you don't have to be who you were. You can be who God has destined you to be. Whom God has allowed you to be born on the face of this planet to be. He has reserved great plans for you that's why the devil wants to destroy you that's why Satan wants you to watch you destroy yourself so that he can sit back and say I did that he can sit back and say I promoted that that's why the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 12 verses 5 and 6 2 Samuel 12, 5 and 6, David was confronted by Nathan the prophet. Many of us know the story, David and Bathsheba. David took another man's wife. She became pregnant with a child. David had this man's wife called in from the, from the battle. Hallelujah. Tried to get him intoxicated so that he would lie with his wife, hoping to push her pregnancy off upon the, uh, her natural husband. But it wouldn't work. This man wouldn't even go in and have the pleasure of enjoying a night with his wife while his men were out to war. So then they send them back onto the battlefield. And David sends word, you make certain that you put him at the front of the fiercest battle. What was David doing? He said, well, if I get him killed, nobody won't know. But how many of you know the eyes of the Almighty? It was already open before the Lord. God knew. God knew. So the Bible anoints a little prophet whose name is Nathan. And he says, I want you to go down to David. And I want you, amen, to share this story with him. I want you to tell him that one man, I'm paraphrasing, had a pasture full of lambs. But another man had one little ewe lamb that he cared for and treated it as if it was his own child. He nurtured that thing and cared and provided for it. He loved that little old lamb. But this guy came along who had a pasture full. And he took this man. One little ewe lamb. Now what do you think of that? And here's what David said. The Bible said his anger was so greatly aroused against the man that he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. How many of you thank God for a man of God that'll stand on his own two feet and tell you the truth? How many thank God for a person like that today? The Bible said that that, that prophet looked at Nathan and said, Thou art the man. 
You're the one. You're the guilty party. You're the guy that did this to someone else. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. David's sense of justice was alive and well when presented. But David lost his ability, friend, to see his own son. And because of that, David not only lost that child, but over the course of time, he ultimately lost four other sons to untimely deaths. That's right. That's the word of God. In Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4, the latter clause of that verse, here's what the Bible says. The soul who sins shall die. Can you read that on the screen? The last line. The soul who sins shall die. God holds every one of us personally responsible for our own actions. Those actions include our own sin. So let me sum it up in conclusion. Although Satan has power, it's a limited power. Although Satan has authority, it's a limited authority. Hallelujah. Because in our current world system, God has all power. And we escape the dominion of Satan through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So how many thank God they made it through 2020? How many thank God with every obstacle, with every distraction, with every hindrance that Satan threw at us, that we still remained intact as the body of Christ. You can stand all over the building. Glory to God. The ushers are coming to assist you in your exit. Going to ask our wife to come. She's going to help us. Hallelujah. And I want to report to us today that God is still alive. God is still occupying his place on the throne. And what Satan wanted, he was denied. Glory to God. He tried to kill Jesus but on the third day morning Jesus got up out of that grave and ascended to his position at the right hand of God. Do you love him today? Come on Harvest Church. Do you love him? Won't you give him a hand of praise? Won't you give him thanks today? Hallelujah! I want to say to us he has even greater things in store. How many going to hang on for the ride and see what good thing that the Lord has reserved for you and I, his children? We love you in the love of Jesus Christ and pray that prayer of blessing over your life. May your barns be enlarged. May you have to build new ones because the blessings of God flow in your life. May you have good health for I curse every disease in the name of Jesus. I curse every hindrance, amen, that would come against you in the name of the Lord and I declare today if you are sick I declare your healing in Jesus name I declare that if you're broken that God is going to put you back together hallelujah to God I pray today for the peace of God hallelujah that passes all understanding